Stephen. Hello, Stephen. We're back again. We're back again, and uh, the world hasn't gotten any nicer in the few weeks. No, since it our, has not. Since our, I mean, you know that uh, I jokingly said that uh, terrible things happen when we're not doing the podcast. You know, in, in the intervening time. So it's obviously because the podcast isn't being done. You know, which is kind of a glib thing to say, but uh, if you look at it, <laughs> correlation is not causation. <laughs> but wow. Um, Wow, I just yeah, it's been a it's been a week. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, and it is, you know, uh, I don't even to tell you the truth, I don't even know where to begin. As a, a Jewish person in Canada, uh, me and many of my uh, co-religions have just been shocked at the degree of anti-Semitism that has been sparked around the world. Not anti-Israel, but anti-Semitism you know, marches with death to the Jews and chants of death to the Jews and from the river to the sea, Palestine will soon be free, which is a chant, which means the elimination of, of Israel and the death of Jews and the justification of what Hamas did because of uh, civilian deaths in uh, in Gaza. It's 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 been it's been really shocking. Um, it's sort of shaken us out of our sense of uh, comfort at where we are and who around us, like just the degree of of hate that re remains around us. Now, as in most things, the uh, loudest, craziest people are the ones that get the most attention, which makes people think there's a disproportionate number of them. But it's still, I, I don't remember, now I, I think I've mentioned to you, when I was growing up in the 70s, um, I faced anti-Semitism practically daily in elementary school from students and uh, from teachers. So that and that, so I was like, that was just common. And then it it changed so substantially over the decades that I I didn't think this was gonna. I didn't think I'd be feeling this way again. Um, yeah, well, and it seems to it comes and goes in waves as it has over the last you know, eight hundred years or so. Uh, we did a we did a podcast that was mostly devoted to to just you know not getting anti-Semitism at a very fundamental level. I mean, personally, um, you know, I, I I'm not Jewish. Lots of Jewish friends, even even a Jewish girlfriend uh, here here and there. Um, uh, before I was married, I want to make that clear. Um, <laughs> but uh, just yeah, but but you know, anti-Semitism it's it's roots in in you know early christian theology i mean all of the the nonsense about being the christ killers and this sort of this official sanctioning by by then the catholic church and uh you know it just uh, you know historically in europe um you know being banned from certain professions and you know the, the rise of some of the big banking houses that uh, lent money to all the all the king all the christian kings and princes of europe and whenever uh, they didn't feel like paying their loans back, they uh, they organized a pogrom and, and and killed the people they owed the money to. Um, yeah, and, but th and threw us out. Um, you know, yeah, oh yeah, oh us. yeah. You know, once the we, Jews uh, have been expelled from countries oh, every... like you know, you know, everyone thinks about Germany, but you know, but they were expelled from from Port uh, Portugal, from England, from Portugal, uh, from all kinds of, of yeah. places. Spain, uh, you know, Russia. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, you know, and I mean, his, historically, it's there, but you know, you'd like to think, you know, that that you know, we've moved beyond it, and clearly, we haven't. Um, you know, anti-Semitic uh, um, violence uh, far outstrips uh, even anti-Islam violence in the United States. Not that it's a contest, but uh, you know, for for a small population, and because we're talking about, you know, in Canada, the Jewish population is somewhere between three and five percent. It's not big. Um, and you know, similarly in the United States, I mean, it is not a, a you know numerically a, a big group of people, but there's this 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 incohate, in you know nonsensical victimization of the Jewish people that you know me as a Gentile, I you know I don't get. Yeah, it's, I, I I I here's the thing. Okay, I I'm not a big fan of I'm not a fan at all of Netanyahu uh, and his various governments, especially the current one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of how he's um, pursuing this conflict. Uh, I, and we'll, we'll get to why, but um, 
the thing I understand about Israel and about Jews in general, why Israel especially is so stiff-necked uh, about whether world opinion supports what they're doing or not, is there's still there's a feeling amongst Jews, and especially in Israel, which is that, uh, look, you guys, other countries for centuries, uh, haven't given a damn about us, about whether we survive or don't survive. And some of you have taken active uh, attempts to make sure we don't. Forgive us if we're not seeking your permission to uh, to 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 survive, to do what we have to to survive. You have shown yourselves to be not good allies. Um, and so they become rejectionist and close-minded of, of world opinion. And it's not untrue. I mean, you uh, look at, I mean, even in Canada, uh, during the Holocaust, the policy was about Jews was none is too many. They, uh, there was a ship, the Spirit of St. Louis, that, was, uh, that came to Canada that, uh, with Jews from Europe fleeing the Holocaust, and it was turned back. And almost all of them were slaughtered in concentration camps. And this is why, this is what the purpose of Israel is, is that for over the centuries and during the Holocaust, Jews, when being abused, when being slaughtered, we had nowhere to go when we were being expelled from countries. We had nowhere to go uh, or resources to get there. So Israel is a place where when this kind of stuff happens, it's a safe haven uh, for Jews. We have a place to go where we can be safe. Now, the const the, the drumbeat of accusing Israel of genocide is, I believe, deliberate and long-term. It's if the, if the uh, sympathy for Israel, uh, or for Jews, is what was the underpinning of the establishment of the state of Israel, um, which you can argue it wasn't because the English pretty much were sure that the Jews would get wiped out. But if the support came from the uh, sympathy for what was done to, to the Jews during the Holocaust, the best way to delegitimize Israel, to, to eat away at that sympathy, which is a bedrock, is to accuse the Jews of being no better than the Nazis and use the term genocide. Now, genocide, a lot of people during this war think genocide means a lot of civilians are killed. That's not genocide. Genocide is where you deliberately target a, an ethnic or religious group, for example, for extermination. And if you know, people say Israel's been doing a slow genocide for decades, okay, there's no such thing as a slow genocide. Um, if Israel, uh, when, the, when Israel was established, there was about whoa, a little over a million uh, Arabs who had come to be called Palestinians uh, in the West Bank, Gaza area. There's now over 5 million. Uh, genocide would mean there's zero or next to zero. Not that the population grew and swelled so much. Just the fact of the number of Palestinians that are alive today in those territories shows that, no, Israel's not practicing genocide. It's not trying to kill the Palestinian population. It's basically saying, look, we, we've got, we've got, you guys, too many of your, your groups have wanted to kill us, have put in your charter that you wish to, to kill the Jews, that Hamas wants the Jews killed no matter where they are, never mind just Israel. Um, and so, and we can't tell which of you are peaceable and which of you are not. And, you know, people will cut, Palestinians will come into Israel, blow up buses, shoot up weddings. Um, and so Israel's like, well, since we can't tell which one of you are, which of you are good and which, we have to protect our citizens. Therefore, we put in place checkpoints and security things now has that been has that been overzealous by various governments sure has it been abused by various governments sure but there's a rational reason for doing it of self-preservation that isn't about hating uh the palestinians or anything it's simply about look we don't know which of you are the good guys and which of you are the bad guys and we can't take the risk because our citizens are will could be killed and the first role of a government is to protect its its population so this isn't me justifying everything that is done um, in the name of security, because I think governments like Netanyahu abuse that. Um, but I'm saying, look, just drop the, ter the, the term genocide. You can be completely critical of and concerned about the loss of Palestinian civilian life, as I am, um, without uh, resorting to using a term which is legitimately a, a plan to delegitimize the state of Israel.
you know, I mean, and there's inflammatory language, you know, and it doesn't help, you know, like you said, Netanyahu has, has, oh. has allied himself and is propped up by extreme right wing um, uh, religious nuts, fundamentalists, yeah, yeah, religious nuts. And it doesn't, and he's had to make a deal with him. He's had to put them in his government. You know, people like um, like his um, uh, his his finance minister. I don't know if he still is, but back in March, you know, his last name was uh, Smotrich. Um, you now, unfortunately, you know, some of these extreme right wing people use genocidal language. Um, you know, he you know he was saying there's no such thing as a Palestinian nation. There's no Palestinian people. There's no there's no uh, Palestinian language. And you know shows you know unveils maps that show Israel encompassing all all of the Palestinian oh, territories right I, now. Yeah, that that actually sickens. So me. there is that kind. Yeah, there is that kind of rhetoric out there because he's playing to and propped up by people who I'm not going to use the genocide word, but they would be very happy if the Palestinian people disappeared because they are a constant thorn in the side to Israel. And they feel they'll never be safe until until the Palestinians are are gone, not yeah. just neutralized. Because which the is, problem which is, is so stupid that is not that it is, not, and that would not and so it opens them security. up to these kinds of of complaints. And you know, the, the, the treatment of the Palestinian people is something you and I have talked about and agree that you know it would uh, it would certainly be nicer uh, for the Palestinian people if uh, you know if, if they were they were treated a little bit better. And you know, that's nothing new. I mean, the United States is saying that has been saying that for ages. Well, um, the but organizations within Israel have been saying we're not that. talking about Hamas. We're talking about yeah. the Palestinians. Yeah, people. yeah, we're talking about the and. I mean, would the uh, would the Gazans be better without Hamas? In theory, yes. Except who's next? You know who who yeah. fills that gap? Because you're Hamas is an idea, and you can stomp out the bodies, but you can't stomp out the ideas. And uh, you know, and and I will talk further on my you know my thoughts on that. We'll we'll share our thoughts on that about what's currently going on. But I have to say yeah. that. Netanyahu, his speeches have been so truculent, um, tone deaf as far as international support and, you know, uh, and the damage, long term damage that he is doing to Jewish communities around the world. The validation he's giving to anti-Semites will last generations. His comments, his messianic type comments, his, you know, invoking an, a, a passage from Isaiah from the Hebrew Bible. Uh, which basically says that uh, all of Israel is belongs to the Jews. His constant, we are the people of light, and they are the people of dark. It's like, what do you, what is this, a Star Wars movie? Uh, he he yeah. makes these jingoistic, horrible speeches that do not even take a moment to acknowledge that it is tragic what Hamas, the place Hamas has put the Palestinian civilians in gaza not even a word of it and it's like i i hear him talk and my entire soul cringes like i didn't support that guy before this crisis why would i support his decisions in a crisis like i don't yeah. um yeah and it's pretty clear that he's using the crisis to 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 clean house i mean he's certainly not giving the palestinian you're asking you know what comes next what after hamas uh, you know the, the 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 Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip. How are they feeling towards Israel these days? Like, are are, are you setting the groundwork for for a peaceful uh, you know next stage of this? You know, let's say you can root out Hamas. I mean, I don't think you can because you know it's a popular movement and it's embedded in the population. And like you said, uh, they you know you kill one and two more pop up. You know, that's the way you know guerrilla revolutionary forces work. But let's say you could you wave a magic wand, get rid of all Hamas, the civilians in the Gaza now who have suffered so mightily under this i mean just this morning there was um uh there was a targeted bombing um where the idf says yeah we 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 bombed a refugee camp because there was a hamas military commander you know underneath it somewhere and it's like okay um no i i can't uh, i can't you know i can't okay. support anything like that i think sorry go on no no i'm just saying in the international community is saying like uh, that was a really bad decision. You 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 purposely chose because you knew that it was a refugee camp. You purposely chose to kill a lot of civilians in the hope that you're going to get one guy. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, uh, I, I, I can't. You know, 
the morality of war, you know, escapes me at the best of times. But uh, it's uh, you know, you get the sense right now that in spite of you know, the United States is using some of the strongest language I've seen in talking about what they've advised Israel to do or, and not do about asymmetrical warfare. Don't go crazy. Show restraint, respect for civilians, and all the rest. Uh, but you can tell that they're they're really pissed right now because Israel has decided. You know what? We're going for it. Um, the world's against us anyway. We're just going to bomb the crap out of these people, and we will suffer the consequences later on. We, uh, you know, we figure there's enough allies, like in the United States, where they won't dare break with us in any meaningful kind of way, and uh, we're just going to, you know, keep on going. Now, we're not talking about the right of Israel to defend itself, absolutely, uh, but we're talking about the way war is waged, and war is never pretty. Uh, but as they keep saying war has rules even though they're often broken and these same rules that are being broken in ukraine by russia are uniformly condemned and we see the same tactics being used with the same justifications although you know israel was attacked first very different than than ukraine russia conflict where you know ukraine is the absolute uh, you know innocent party um uh, you know, even in that thing, you know, Ukraine is trying very, very hard, it seems, through the fog of war and all the propaganda, that they are trying very hard to to limit their targets to military targets and minimize civilian casualties, unlike the Russians who are who are targeting hospitals and yeah. all kinds of things, saying saying, Oh, you know, we thought there was an artillery um uh, cannon in their in their uh, in their uh, basement. So, you know, we decided to bomb the hospital, the orphanage, the uh, you know, you know, the 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 aid station. Um in in Israel, they just seem to have said, you know, there's one bad guy there. We don't care how many people we're going to take out um, because this is all about, you know, this, this is a war for our survival. Say, so, well, you know, it's not uh, really a war for Israel's survival. Israel will survive. This is a, you know, this is the one of the biggest attacks they've seen in, 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 uh, was it 25, 40, 50 years? And not to downplay the seriousness of it or the hostages or the, or the massacre of children. But, you know, Israel's not going to fall because of a military invasion by, these people from 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 Gaza. So it's not an existential war, which I'm sick of hearing. I mean, it's a serious conflict. It's a border skirmish that is that's big. But at the moment, you know, the number of civilian casualties on the Gaza side are so out of proportion. Um, it's you know, war isn't a one for one kind of game, but it's just this overkill that's going on that is bringing the world's leaders to kind of go like, um, Israel, maybe you want to just t turn it down a little bit here because you're going to win. Um, and, uh, you know, you look like you're using this as an excuse to really clean house in a in a pretty brutal way. Yeah, uh, this, okay, as you said, this is, you know, they're saying that we're fighting for the survival of this. No, you're not. The Quite frankly, if they behaved a little uh, more restrained, uh, they were they've been making inroads to Arab nations who had been in a state of war with them. They were close to something uh, with Saudi Arabia, which is why this attack by Hamas happened now to derail that. Um, Israel has been uh, building uh, international, uh, if not friendships, then associations uh, with countries yeah. that previously would in the region. Yeah. Yeah. Th and this is going to kill that or make the ones that exist very, very fraught. Um, the there's no victory condition here uh, for Israel. Hamas knows that knew that when they attacked, they knew Israel would come in, and they knew that civilians would be killed. And Hamas likes nothing better than to do uh, photos, excuse me, of uh, of dead bodies, um, and injured people. Israeli side tends not to do that because they have a different idea about respect for the dead and the injured. Uh, so it, the pictures aren't going to be the same. And they every Palestinian civilian killed by Israel is a point in the favor of Hamas. Hamas knows this. Hamas. What's your strategy? What's your strategy from the, from the get go? Yeah, they civilian deaths. Hamas doesn't care about Palestinian civilian deaths. As far as they're concerned, these people are martyrs to the cause. Yep, glorious martyrs. Yeah, these are <clears throat> Hamas are religious extremists. They want to set up an, a, a, a fundamentalist Islamic state. 
which would not be good for Gazans either. But uh, Hamas knows that they can win points in the world by attacking Israel, then going and hiding amongst the, the civilian population, knowing Israel has to is going to have to go in and attack targets in civilian areas where civilians will be killed. And then Hamas can say, look how horrible Israel is. The thing is, Israel doesn't have to play into that. They didn't have, they didn't, they could have played smarter. You know, the, the sympathy after October 7th, they could have put together perhaps an international coalition to do something. Like things could have been done. And if Israel had shown restraint and dignity and mercy, the, uh, the sympathy that it had received would have magnified. It would have changed people's perspective on Israel in the Middle East. The, the uh, Hamas planned that October 7th attack for a long time. Hamas has store, stored up fuel and food and water and uh, medical, uh, medical needs. They've got tons of that in their tunnels. They're not going to suffer. So uh, why do you cut off water and food and medical supplies to the, uh, to the civilian population? Because yes, Hamas gets it first and sometimes leaves some over for other people. But even if there's some left over for other people, Hamas already has so much there that cutting that those supplies off is not going to is not going to make Hamas cry uncle. It is just it, it, there is no sense to it. It is it strikes me as people acting out of trauma, um, you know, an immediate trauma. It strikes me also as Netanyahu, who uh, if it wasn't for his mismanagement of secure the security of Israel, this wouldn't have happened. It seems like he's trying to gin up his credentials as Mr. Security again um, and distract from the fact that if it wasn't for him, this wouldn't have happened, um, or certainly not to the degree that it did. Um, he's trying to distract and trying to show himself as some very strong man defending the Jewish people. Um, and it's it's somewhat working because right now Jews we're sort of circling our wagons because of all the people who want to kill us. Um, but uh, we, uh, in Israel, the, the, the opposition voices are starting, saying, okay, enough, ceasefire, cut it out. Um, and I think that once this is all over, uh, the, the ire is going to turn on Netanyahu no matter what, as it should. It's, there's, there is no sense to what Israel is doing. There is no sense. There is no, as far as I'm, I'm not a military strategist. I don't have access to their to their military strategy. But looking at it as far as uh, you have uh, besmirched Israel's uh, val you know, existence by what you're doing. Yeah. You're carrying on in and, a brutal fashion. And 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 angried up populations outside of israel i mean you, you, there there is i mean you're you're right to point out that there is the growing substantial opposition to netanyahu there was politically before all of this started and uh, you know as a result of of the war you know a lot of uh, a lot of israelis are are are, are calling for a, a ceasefire which netanyahu says no there will never be a ceasefire uh you know until until we've uh, we've solved this um but outside of of israel you know we're seeing you know in canada we we've, we've seen protests we've seen people taking to the streets um on you know a lot of pro palestinian protests which you know some of which got very very ugly um, but you know, there's there's these populations all over the world that you know Israel has done a lot of work to build up relationships and trusts, and and, and like you said, you know, anti-Semitism was you know temporarily on the decline. Like I say, it, it, it tends to be a cyclical kind of thing for whatever reasons. But you know, it seemed to be a little bit better. Um, and all of a sudden, everyone's all stirred up again. And as we as we pointed out, this was Hamas's goal in the first place. They wanted to hand Israel a Kobayashi Maru, to use a Star Trek expression. Yes. You know, a no-win situation where it's like, you know what? We're going to make this so ugly, and we're going to commit crimes so heinous against civilian populations, you know, beheading babies and murdering people and filming it and all the rest that Israel is going to have to, it, we're going to get a, a, a just a completely visceral uh, and, and over-the-top military reaction against shove all our civilians out front, parade them for the world and hurt Israel's reputation, not just, you know, in the region, but around the world. 
because they're going to fall for this because they can't really do anything else. You know, no one expects anyone to act reasonably in the time of war. Um, and they were counting on that from, from Israel, especially from this prime minister, uh, from Netanyahu. And they say, you know, this is how we win. This, you know, we we show Israel to be, you know, run by the you know crazy religious fundamentalists with their finger on the trigger. And uh, you know, as, as terrible as Hamas is, they're going to say like the world's opinion is going to turn against Israel. So we will have won even though we lose, because it is a no-win situation for Israel. Well, that's right. I mean, as we said, they don't care about Palestinian civilian lives. Uh, they are glorious martyrs to <clears throat> to the cause. So when you as a government do not, it's a double thing. You not only do not have concern to protect your population, it benefits you for them to be hurt, to be harmed. Um, you, there's there's no winning for the 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 other the other side in this war, and Israel, if Israel thinks that the, the hearts and minds of the world aren't important, uh, listen, we've got. Uh, a younger generation now, which is not is showing itself to be increasingly uh, anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian. And quite frankly, you do not need to be anti-Israel to be pro-Palestinian. Um, I am pro-Palestinian in the sense that I uh, respect their uh, their right to have a homeland in the areas that were, you know, that that have been talked about as their homeland. Uh, they have a they have a right to live. They, um, uh, you know, they have a. This, this is why I have like people who who go against Zionism, think Zionism. Zionism in its basic form, which I I subscribe to, is just the idea that the Jewish people should have a uh, a land of their own where they can be safe uh, in the in their ancestral lands. Um, that's no different than what the Palestinians want. The Palestinians don't have a title for it like Zionism. Both parties want the same thing. I <laughs> I do not want uh, Palestinians to be killed like this. I just don't for uh, humanitarian reasons, uh, for reasons as a Jew, I can't stand, I can't countenance this. Um, and for practical reasons that this is not going to bring you what you think it's going to bring you. All right, so let's just say you reduce Hamas to a rump. Well, you've got um, Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah. So what have you effectively done as far as Israel's security? You've got two organizations, especially in, in Hezbollah, that are much bigger, better equipped, better financed, and you have reduced uh, disincentive for them to attack you because you've turned yourself into a rogue state. So yeah. where, where is the common sense I have to think that if there was a government in Israel run by someone like uh, Ahud Barak when he was prime minister, somebody with a little more sense, somebody who is a little bit less of a corrupt person, because Netanyahu, just corruption is unbelievable. Um, if it was run by somebody who uh, had a heart and a soul, who actually acted like a Jew, unlike uh, Netanyahu, I think there would have been a, a better approach to this. There was a better way to make the, those horrible deaths of Israelis uh, count for something rather than just being horrible tragedies. You could have it could have been used to say, "Look, this is who the people we've been fighting against all along. You've been saying that we're we're exaggerating or whatever. These are the people we've been fighting against. These are the people who do this kind of thing." And it would have, I think, it would have opened the world's eyes a little bit. But when yeah, you erase I, all of that, because, you know, 1400 people were slaughtered and 200 people have been taken hostage and you go in and you kill, I don't know, it's just under 10,000 civilians now. Uh, yep. You lose the right to to complain about the barbarism. Yeah, especially, you know, when, you know, Mossad and, and various other uh um, you know, intelligence agencies around the world have been very, very good at at targeting. Uh, you know, find the people responsible. You know, it'll take you a couple of years. How long did it take to get to Osama bin Laden? How long did it take to get some of the top Taliban commanders? How long did it take to take you know various uh, you know terrorists around the world? 
it's it's not very it's not flashy it's not uh it's not great front page stuff it takes for you know it can take years but you take out the people responsible um as opposed to punishing an entire population because they're so embedded in that population and again of course the problem is going to be you know even if they do manage to uh, to take out the leadership of hamas uh, what is the feeling of the Gazan population going to be towards Israel going forward? You've created millions of people who will remember this for generations and be dedicated to revenge, which has been the you know the leitmotif of of the entire Middle East for as, as you know as long as any of us have been alive. I mean, it's it's attack and revenge, and attack and revenge. Um, it, it, and there's no end to it, uh, especially when you have all this collateral damage that, you know, at the moment, like you say, we're, we're a little bit under 10,000 civilian casualties at the moment. Um, uh, they all have families, they have children, they have wives, they have friends who will remember this and tell this story to future generations engendering long-term hatred of, of the Israeli and, people. And you know what? Um, deserved hatred deserved yeah. this is but it's never there have been cases where israel didn't deserve the enmity they do in this now and and like i say it's unfortunate that they played right into it and you know there, there right have been other it. you know you know i keep i keep thinking about you know a, a parallel that just never got any any traction at all i mean we're talking about the enormity of this and all the rest I mean, do you remember boko haram uh, you know, it was yes. uh, Michelle Obama's favorite thing, bring the girls home. Yeah. You know, Boko Haram is a Nigerian Sunni fundamentalist Islamic sect. Uh, and, you know, in 2014, they they kidnapped uh, 276 schoolgirls who, That's right. you know, as far as, you know, I've been able to tell, have never been returned. I mean, uh, they, um, they said that they were returned at one point and it turned out to be a fake. But, you know, here's over you know, almost 300 people kidnapped by an Islamic fundamentalist sect. Um, you know, Boko Haram has been responsible for like 300,000 children deaths in the Nigeria area. Um for a you know for a couple of weeks it was in the in the news and they're still active they're not gone um they've destabilized the entire region but you know because it's africa like nobody cares um it's uh you know that and that's the western prejudice about uh you know the pro, you know how how big a tragedy uh how big tragedies can go under the radar and, and other tragedies are are uh you know are, are in the news every single day well i mean to, to your point uh, the treatment of Palestinians in Arab countries is not perfect. It's there's in Lebanon, they're barred from certain jobs. I don't think they can get citizenship. There's Palestinians are not loved by the Arab nations. They have been used as pawns. They are simply oh, yeah, they're a useful tool. They're a useful tool. They don't see the, the they don't see them as human beings. They see them. They saw them for years as a wedge to keep Israel uh, engaged and distracted and and bothered um, and threatened. Uh, it was a, it was a sort of Damocles that the Arab nations maintained. I mean, the Palestinian leadership they still haven't found the billions that uh, disappeared under Yasser Arafat. Uh, the Palestinian leadership now Hamas they take aid uh, aid money and use it. They take things that are you know they take pipes that are being sent in to be used for water systems and they turn them into you know pieces of rocket launchers and things like they're they, and people say that's just propaganda it's like no it's actually true it's actually because people can't believe that there would be a government of the you know made up of the same population uh that it just doesn't give a damn like they people don't want to believe that such a thing can exist They'd rather believe that it's it's propaganda and lies, uh, because they don't want to. Un, they, to them, everybody kumbaya is. We're all the same. We're all the, we're not. Okay, we're not all the same. Some of us are are very bad people. There are sociopaths in the world. Uh, I really believe that Hamas um, attracts people who aren't necessarily uh, ardent Islamists. They're sociopaths who say, "Here's a place that I can go and kill people." um yeah uh you know it, that's who it attracts you know it it, it does <laughs> excuse me it does bother me that so many voices will uh, say that uh 
stories of Hamas placing bases or armories or things in civilian homes, in schools, in hospitals, using ambulances to drive uh, resources back and forth to resupply. Those are all just lies. Those are lies. That, that can't be true. But they will believe every barbarism Israel's accused of. That's an odd double standard, which now part of me believes this comes from the racism of low expectations, which I'm sure you know what that is, which is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they expect we expect better of the Jews. <laughs> that's it. The Israel's because brand, because because they're because they're Westerners. You know, that's exactly. Uh, they yeah. see they a similarity. Of, of, yeah. With yeah. Israel, like basically Israel, you're a modern economy. You, you're a tech innovation hub for the world. Um, you're a democracy. You're a democracy. You were created as a safe haven after your people were slaughtered. Um, the Israel brand had been for decades. Um, a, a They were good people. It was a good country trying to do good things. It was good people. Um, whereas the, the, the ingrained attitude, especially in the West, of Arabs not just Palestinians, but Arabs, is that, well, they're kind of backward people who ride around on camels. Uh, they live, you know, kind of primitively. So we can't expect from them the same kind of behavior that we expect from Israel. They're just, y y Israel is supposed to be better. The Palestinians, well, not really. They, I mean, these are just primitive people, right? You can't expect more from them than violence. And yeah, that is an underpinning amongst too many people is this idea that I remember on I was at much music and I was on the music committee, which which selected which music videos would be played. And there were specific written guidelines as to what was or what was basically what was not allowed. And every time a hip hop video would come in that would violate one, two, three of those things that any genre but hip-hop, the video would have been rejected. The hip-hop video was put forward by this group of well-meaning white people because they said, well, that's their culture. And there was one black guy on the uh, panel, and he'd just look at me and roll his eyes um, mm -hmm. because that, sorry, that's racism. You say, well, you know, they're over, they're oversexed and it's they glorify crime that's their culture what a horrible racist yeah. thought that these people mm -hmm. are lesser and that's the idea people have of palestinians that they're lesser that they they live basically uh, a very primitive practically stone age uh existence so of course you can't expect from them what you get from uh, what you expect from a first world country like israel and so that's at work too and that is horrible yeah. and racist. Yeah, and it also, and the other side of that is it devalues lives too, because you know it's like okay, you know, for every, uh, like you say, the number of, of 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 deaths, civilian or otherwise, on the on the Israeli side uh, compared to the number of deaths on the uh, on the Palestinian side, it's like uh, you know, proportionally, how many Palestinians are equal to one Israeli life? So, you know, it's, it is proportional war when you kind of look at it that way, which is a terrible way of looking at things. But, you know, it seems to be that people are, are prepared to accept much higher casualties on the Palestinian side than they are on, on the Israeli side. If you're an Israeli, certainly that, you know, I can understand why you'd feel uh, why your own people are, are, uh, are more valuable than, than the enemy. But, uh, and in, you know, I guess in World War II and any major conflict, it's like, you know, I don't care how many, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the Germans executing 10 partisans for every soldier killed. I mean, there, there's always been this, this asymmetrical, disproportionate valuing of life. Um, and I think it also comes from exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, there's this, this view of, of the Palestinians as being, you know, cruel, barbarous, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, cartoonish people to a lot of Western eyes, which, you know, isn't true in the, at all. I mean, they've got, you know, even in Gaza, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's schools, there's a university, there's all kinds of other things. I mean, it's a population of a couple million people. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are not living a Stone Age life, but uh, it, there is um, a tendency to to be more accepting of of 
of damage to to a society like that than like you say a western you know how many times have i heard you know israel is the only functioning democracy in in the region and you know it has to be cherished for that reason you know and i cherish democracy as much if not more than other people but there's this whole cultural superiority language that happens in a lot of conflicts that really makes it more palatable for some people to accept you know asymmetrical losses yeah it's it it, it the, this whole thing makes me very very frustrated uh very sad i mean you know you've got egypt uh, has been blockading gaza for the same reasons that israel was which is not to be jerks but because uh, terrorist uh, weapons and stuff so on are hidden in shipments of food and medical supplies and stuff so uh, they blockade it they go through all the, the the shipments that come in and again not to cause undue hardship but because there's a real practical security concern which is why egypt is part of it too egypt has spent a lot of time uh blowing up palestinian caves or tunnels uh, because it mm -hmm. bedevils them as well. I Egypt Egypt doesn't get any flack for it because it's like, well, what they do to their own people is okay. Um, and, you know, the, if you just look at wh while everybody was focused on that rich person's mini sub exploring the Titanic disappearing and, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. some, what was it, six people uh, dying, uh, mm -hmm. hundreds were dead uh, in it off the coast of Italy, uh, migrants whose boat sank yep. and you might get an occasional story about that let's go back to our ongoing coverage of the death of six rich people um yeah uh in a uh on a very expensive trip that was not a necessity i don't want to they didn't deserve to die but if you're looking at things the poor migrants who drowned in in, in large numbers that is a story that i think deserves more focus than focusing on some mini sub that imploded. Uh, and this happens all the time in the States. It happens all the time with if a uh, white child goes missing, there's uh, searches, there are posters put up. It's all over the news. A black child goes missing. Eh. Um, yeah. You know, it's not universal like that, but it, it's it's disproportionately true. It's yeah. and I have no patience for any of this. Uh, no, I mean, you know, until we start valuing every life equally, uh, you know, whether 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 we agree with them or not, whether they, uh, you know, share our ideology, our religion, um, you know, uh, especially when we're talking about families and children and younger populations, uh, you know, you have to be able to see the humanity in these things. And maybe maybe that would, uh, you know, keep uh, war from getting, you know, as out of hand as we've seen it just recently. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a dreamer that way. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like that Coke commercial where you know, <laughs> we're all standing on the, uh, on the hill, uh, singing, I'd like to teach the world to sing. Uh, I, I don't believe that that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, a, a realistic expectation, but it is aspirational. We should have a lot more of that. Um, and if we saw each other as human beings, then, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we'd pause a little bit before, uh, we see some of the excesses that we're seeing, uh, right now on both I, sides. I, I agree with you. And I, I think actually that if you look at world history, we're at a time of peak tolerance uh, as far as the, the the treatment and sort of the respect and the understanding and the sympathy and empathy for people who are not like us. Uh, if you well, are Canada a student used to be a beacon of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a student of history, you recognize things have been way worse than this. Um but frequently yeah but it, it it you know like you i'd like to think that uh we can go further you know what i always say about canada that i love about canada is that we don't think we're the best in the world we always know we can do better and it doesn't insult uh, we don't um diminish our love for our country by saying we can do better Unlike in the States where they have to all agree it's the greatest country in the history of the world and it's number one in everything, while all of their numbers, education and poverty, like, well, all their numbers are just trashing, crashing. Uh, if anyone admits, hey, we got a problem here, you hate America. Uh, that's not us in Canada. We're not like that. And I, this is one of the things I treasure about this country. We know we can always do better. Don't say, well, 
things are better now for the uh, indigenous people. So, all right, no, we can do better. We can continually do yeah. better. We can, and, we can always do better. Yeah. And, you and, know, in Canada, we have been doing better and it's disappointing to see, you know, the, uh, you know, sectarian and religious and, and, and national anger being, you know, being paraded in the streets because, you know, for the longest time, Canada really wasn't about that. It was about coming from someplace and then putting behind you, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the struggles that, uh, that your, your parents, your grandparents went through to, uh, to build a new life and maybe get along with the people who, who were your enemies in, in your back in your homeland, get rid of your historic grudges. But, uh, you know, people seem to be now importing the grudges more than leaving them behind. Well, I mean, when I used to live at Bayview and Steels in uh, just north of Toronto, uh, there is a synagogue and a mosque. They are side by side. They share a large parking lot. And on Fridays during uh, uh, during uh, uh, Islamic uh, prayers, uh, the uh, the mosque is allowed or, or welcomed to use the synagogue's parking lot because the synagogue doesn't have a lot of visits on, on Friday uh, and on Saturdays and on religious holidays, Jewish religious holidays, the mosque says, come use our parking, our parking lot. This is something that I think is, is indicative of Canada. I don't know how the hell they're getting along right now, but um, yeah, you know what, let's move. Speaking of indigenous people, yeah, um, but now that we've now that we've tackled the Middle East and got everyone mad at us, let's let's talk yes. about uh, let's talk about Buffy Saint Marie because yeah, you know, no one's mad about that. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. I don't know that it did any public good to expose this eighty-two-year-old woman to this. Um, from my reading, she uh, she was just repeating what she was told by her mother. She's done a lot. To uh, for indigenous people and indigenous causes over the years, that's unquestionable. What 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 good did this do? Like, how are we better yeah. as a, as a country? Well, you know, and and you know, I, I, that's a whole different question than, than <laughs> you know. You first you have to you have to get through the the first one, which is sort of you know where 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 does the truth lie? And the second one is like, why now? Why is this coming out? Because she's eighty two years old. Um, she was on a she was put on a, a Canadian postage stamp uh, recently. Um, she's certainly been honored with uh, with with everything from uh, from from Oscars to uh, uh, to oh, well, the Governor General's Award for for arts and various Indigenous awards as well. Um, and I think, well, you know, why I don't I don't think I've ever seen an explanation about why why the story came out right now. Uh, you know, these these stories have been circulating since like the 1960s. Um, this isn't you know groundbreaking news. I mean, the difference is now, and and I don't know, maybe this is why it it, it happened because you know back in the 60s when stories like this were taking place, you know, there was limited access to documentation. We certainly had no DNA testing. Uh, stuff, you know, you didn't have Ancestry.com where you could actually, you know, look at documents and find relatives and stuff. So it may just be a case that the technology now is there where we can actually fact check people where we couldn't have done that before. You know, even 10 years ago, this would have been difficult. And these rumors have been around for a long, long time. And, you know, there's a, I mean, the, if the CBC, you know, investigative report, but, you know, there was a, a written version of the, of the, uh, of the the TV show, and I've seen lots of people on social media. So, you know, they start off their comments like, "Well, I haven't seen the show, or I haven't read the report, but here's what I think." It's like, okay, if you haven't seen the show, you haven't read the report. Shut up, because you know you're you're not talking from from a, a position of any kind of knowledge. You're just giving us your opinion, which is completely worthless. Because yeah, you know, one of the things I did, one of my COVID projects, was uh, family family history, doing genealogy. And I spent a lot of time looking at birth certificates and records and what's available, what's not available, putting together my own family tree. And I was able to get back some of them like to the 1400s. It's amazing what you can do. Um, you know, there are limitations as well, and there's mistakes to be made. But when I looked at the evidence, let's start from there, that the CBC has put forward everything from a birth certificate to family stories to all the rest. To me, it's very clear that she was born of white parents 
an Italian immigrant and and uh, and an, uh, um, an uh, you know English um, uh, mixed English family, but but white white white, um, and adopted in her teens um, uh, an indigenous persona. Um, you know whether that's teen rebelness, wanting to be different. Uh, it was the 60s and you know a lot of a lot of you know they called it at that time you know indian culture was was very cool and chic and groovy um people were looking for sort of things and you know she had all of the advantages of of growing up american not even not even canadian um uh and and turned that into a music business and you know there's letters out there that you know where she threatened to sue her family members for suggesting that hey no she, she's she's as white as me she's not she's not indigenous uh you know our you know here's her birth certificate you know she i, she, I remember when they brought her home um from the hospital um she wasn't adopted and there's this mythology of the 60s scoop and 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 all the rest as it pertains to her because you say oh well no they they fixed the birth certificate and they hid the adoption records and the you know the government of Saskatchewan is saying like we have all the adoption records if she was born in Saskatchewan adopted out we have it it's accessible to any adoptee mm -hmm. um as there's no record of of her being born here or adopted here and you know the government kept pretty good records uh, of of a lot of this stuff at the time because they're under Indian and Northern Affairs at that time, uh, registered under the Indian Act reservation. They, you know we we had a whole system at that time, so our paperwork was actually pretty good from that time. But no, she was actually born Massachusetts to a uh, to a, to a white couple. There's her birth certificate right there. Talk to the people in Massachusetts, and they go like we don't issue birth certificates like this for, for adoptees. It'd be an adoption record in here. And, you know, she was delivered by the same doctor who delivered her brother and sister. Um, it's, you know, here's the hospital that she was born in. I mean, it's pretty nailed down. Now, then the question comes to, okay, well, does she have in the family history, a, you know, a, a Micmac Cree something Algonquin, uh, great, great, great grandmother. Um, and, maybe um <laughs> no one's ever been able to 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 say that a lot of family histories and you know some american politicians famously got in trouble for for retelling family stories about this kind of stuff but uh, um and again you know once you get back to like your great great grandmother you're like one sixteenth, whatever that was just in terms of of the blood mix to use a 19th century term um like uh you're not <laughs> it, it it seems to have been a fiction i mean and, and cbc seems to have the receipts and there's lots of people who say well this isn't important um you know she's she's given so much she has given so much um but she's given so much and i think people um under under what appears to be false circumstances and i think people are feeling like I've been tricked. People don't like being tricked. I thought this all along. It's like when uh, Little Feather, uh, you remember the famous story? Sashi and Little when, Feather, uh, yes. Yeah, when uh, when Marlon Brando sent uh, him uh, her up to, at, to to accept his Oscar or to or to refuse his Oscar and talked about the plight of American uh, Indigenous people, and it just came out what last year that she wasn't Indigenous at all. Um, she was she was white, white, white. Um, people feel like they've been conned and duped. And I think that it plays into the hands of people who feel that, you know, the indigenous people have, you know, had it too good for too long, which is kind of a strange way of looking at people <laughs> yeah. who've, who've lived historically right. in poverty and been disenfranchised and, uh -huh. and treated terribly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it plays into that kind of weird prejudice that people have about the so-called benefits of indigeneity. And, uh, you know, they find they get something like this as an excuse to kind of kind of tar the entire the entire ethnic group with with, you know, see, look, they're all faking it um, because Buffy St. Marie, you know, if you can't trust Buffy St. Marie, who can you trust? So, I'm you know, I'm, I'm calling your entire culture into question. So it's it's unfortunate. Why the CBC did it? Get back to you originally. I don't know. Um a scoop, a good story. I mean, I've been in the news business uh, and my family for, for ages and you get a story. It's like, well, I'm going to run with it. Um, you know, it's like 
John Tory and his, his his extramarital affair. I mean, what purpose does that serve? Um, well, I, that I can actually none. understand that it it does call into question. Well, she was judgment. she was on the payroll kind. Of, well, it's, well, it's, it's, well, but yeah, it's you know, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all about judgment. His judgment. Um, he was he, yeah. he's an elected official. Buffy saying he's yeah, not elected, but you know, no, but you know she represents uh, you know, and, and she's been she's been feted and and honored as 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 a spokesperson for the indigenous community. Uh, you know, she's been adopted by a Saskatchewan band, and uh, you know, and they say, you know, as far as we're concerned, she's one of us. Well, that's great, but that has nothing to do with your actual origins. That is more like an honorary degree, as someone uh, wrote in in I think the Toronto Star earlier today. It's like an honorary degree is a great honor, but it's still just an honor. It doesn't mean that you're an actual doctor or physicist or whatever you've got your honorary degree in. Um, and as long as people know that then fair game but when you start pretending that you're you know you start taking out people's appendixes because you've got an honorary degree in something you're an honorary doctor then then you got a problem with it and she's been a spokesperson for indigenous people um not just as an ally but as an indigenous person and i think that's probably where you know that's where the rubber hits the road on 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 whether or not this is important well my i uh belong to that group you mentioned which is people who think why did you do this? What good did this really do? She has done a great deal of good for Indigenous people. She used her platform. I mean, her platform was partially because she was Indigenous, but only partially in the 60s when, you know, when she started her career. She has used her platform to uh, put forward uh, issues of Indigenous uh, concern. She's uh, hired Indigenous people, made sure they were employed on projects that she was involved in, you know, the, yeah, you know what, there's, there's the issue of fact. And then there's the issue of sort of the greater truth. Um, there's so many of our historical figures that the, the stories are pure bourgeois, <laughs> you know, they're just, they're, it's legend. Um, and in some cases, the legend is of greater service and benefit than the facts and i think this is one of those cases where i don't know how this served uh the public good in any way as you mentioned it gives uh grist for the mill for people who are uh skeptical we'll say or worse about uh in indigenous people and their status i just good for you you found this stuff out uh you're woodward and bernstein but uh i i just look at it and say how is the world better as a result of this yeah. and i don't think it is well and, and i guess people are, are hypersensitive to to claims um these days because like i say people have been known to embellish their truths uh, a lot i mean and and indigeneity is one of those ones that's a very sensitive topic um you know in canada we had that great example there's uh you know a great Im imposter uh called uh, gray owl i don't know if you remember yes, him gray you owl. Know, he, he one, of, one of our first conservationists and and he's actually credited with saving the canadian beaver from extinction so there's an accomplishment but it turns out he was born in England. He was he was born in East Sussex and was as you know as white as I am. Um, but you know he put on the feathers and and uh, braided his hair and uh, it's there are examples of people who have 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 taken on these sorts of things. You know to you know to sometimes to their own benefit, sometimes to the benefit of causes. Um, it's. You know, it, it, it's people discover things about themselves all the time, too, where they go like, oh, I thought I was this and I wasn't. Um, and they've tried to you know, make up excuses why, you know, and it tends to be, um, uh, you know, a, you know, a great grandmother's, you know, in the family, family lore. And, you know, in the United States, you know, you had that odd situation, you know, because the United States is, is you know, based on on race, um, you know, the, uh, you know. I was watching one of those ancestry shows uh, the other day, and uh, they had Angela Davis on the Black Panther, mm -hmm. and they did they did her 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 genealogy, and she was shocked to find out that one of her ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Now I don't know if you know the Mayflower, but there weren't any black people on the Mayflower. No. Um, no. 
And she was like, wait a second, I've been fighting against sort of, you know, my entire life, you know, the United States, um, you know, the, the the racist institutions and all the rest. And, the, and, you know, the founding myth of the United States, the Mayflower, to find out she came over on the Mayflower. You know, I think geology is, is a great thing because, it, you know, it teaches you not just about yourself, but about how how interconnected the human race is. Um, in terms of origins and ethnicities and color and religion, you know, all the things that divide us are actually things that you find in your own family past. And it, it can be a great unifier uh, when, you know, when, when somebody finds out that they've got Jewish roots, uh, that they, you know, that, or that they find out that, you know, they've got, uh, you know, whether it's black or or First Nations or something, it, it gives you perspective. It gives you, you know, it, it teaches it teaches us that we're all mutts in some way, and that you know we should respect uh, you know other people because you know quite frankly they're 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 probably distant cousins of ours, um, and uh, it, it's uh, the human race is a lot more complicated than that. But I say, when it camp comes to to, to Buffy Saint Marie. Um, I, you know, I don't know what lessons there are to be drawn from that because maybe she believed it herself. I mean, whether it was the adoption myth, which seems to be clearly untrue, or the Saskatchewan origins myth, which seems to be untrue. Um, it just, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where where she goes from this uh, you know she's gonna have people who who believe her regardless of any of the evidence and a lot of those people are the ones who say i haven't read the story but i absolutely believe her um that's like well that's that's great that's a faith-based argument but not based on the evidence and the people who will condemn her and try to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say look you know i told you all 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 indigenous culture is crap and nobody knows who anyone is so we don't have to treat you know you know we don't have to treat them especially anymore because anyone that we look at might be lying about who they are um somewhere in between there uh, is the human race. And uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not quite sure what lessons are. It's sad that it, uh, that it happened and it's, you know, sad for her, sad for her fans. And, you know, I'm sad, you know, that it, it, it in some ways diminishes and tarnishes the good work that she's done over, over, you know, over six decades. Uh, agreed. And I mean, I, I uh, have only the slightest interest in finding out my DNA information. My family did a family tree. Uh, oh, it's got to be 35 years, 40 years ago now, uh, that went that traced uh, back my maternal line. And mm -hmm. you go back only a couple of generations, and uh, they were Polish horse thieves. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm happy with that. I don't need to go any further. Uh, you know, it's like not, not a not a bad legacy. Hey, if you went back any further, you might find you're related to Buffy St. Murray. That that's great. Like they're okay. So they were like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or something. I don't know. I don't I I don't feel that I need to know though. Uh Leanna, who is if you've ever seen her, uh, you know, she's a a, a pale redhead, uh pale freckled redhead. And she did the test. Somebody bought it for her as a gift. And she found a percentage of her uh, DNA comes from the Iberian Peninsula. And, oh, okay. And you're like, well, how'd, how'd that happen? <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, the thing is that uh, uh, in our past, people got around. Oh, yeah. Well, and sometimes, you know, not by choice. I mean, I'm sure my family yes. was kicked out of more countries than, than we can count. Uh, you know, we left by popular demand. Um, and you know, and you you know, intermarry if you're lucky enough, and uh, you know, you find someone who's uh, willing to marry you, and you have kids, and you know, the next thing you know, the kids are off all over the world. It's uh, you know, the human the human race is going to be very interesting with all of the uh, mobility that we have now, um, with the you know the combinations and permutations of people uh, of different ethnicities marrying each other. It's uh, you know, I'd like to think it brings us all closer together because we realize that we're all just one big happy uh, DNA family. But uh, you know, some people use that to, use that to divide us, which is which is unfortunate because it should be uniting us. Well, they will always be there, and uh, we will be back again. I, I really hope, uh, Stephen, that when we come back together to do this podcast, uh, things have changed settled uh, the, down a bit well the complexion of the uh 
military action in uh, the Israel-Hamas war will have changed. I don't think it will. Uh, Netanyahu is just, uh, like the word I used before, truculent. Is And uh, I don't have any faith in him. I don't think he gives a damn about anything except his own political fortunes. So he doesn't care. The rest of the world isn't going to isn't going to elect him prime minister. He cares about the Israelis that will, the ones he can persuade so that he can form a a coalition. So I don't see it changing. And day by day, I just get sicker and sicker when I see the images. I I understand that the images of these uh, hurt and and dead Palestinians are supposed to affect me emotionally. Um, But even though I understand that that there's a cynical purpose to it, it doesn't matter. These are still hurt people. These are still dead people who have family, families whose homes have been destroyed, livelihoods have been destroyed. It, it, it doesn't matter to me that they're basically political props uh, because more important than that, they're human beings. And if I was uh, living in Gaza, I would hate Israel the rest of my life. And this is the thing that Israel is not recognizing. Uh, you're not, they're not going to make terrorism go away uh, by what they're doing. They're, even if they were to root out every single Hamas uh, individual, like terrorists, they're not going to make terrorism go away. This is a, this is a foolhardy military action. And at some point, Somebody will realize it, but it just, it, it's too late. It, it's too late to, you can't bring people back to life. And it's just, and you know, there's friends of mine who are going to hear this. are going to be furious with me, um, but this is how I feel. And uh, yeah. I, I support the, the right of Israel to exist. I support the Jews having a homeland. That doesn't mean to the exclusion of the health and safety of all other peoples. Uh, it means in cooperation with other people. So even people, I mean, sure, not everyone cooperates. You got to do what you got to do, but you got to do it. Do it. Fight smart. Not like this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. So we will talk again, Stephen. We will. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Small L Liberals. He's Stephen Lottens. I'm Stephen Kersner. And we will join you again. <laughs>